Hi, my name is John Kristen, and this is Out of Bounds, Daily Bruins Sports Podcast. Hi, hello, everyone. Welcome back to yet another episode of Out of Bounds. I am your host, John Kristen, a senior staff writer here at the Daily Bruin. I am pumped and I am jacked to talk about some UCLA men's basketball today. Um, we have a special episode. We're going to be playing a game of fact or fiction, UCLA men's basketball. Um, today, I'm joined by staff writer Gavin Carlson. Gavin, what's up? Nothing much. Uh, it's midterm season, so, you know, UCLA students are stressed. But if you're a fan of UCLA basketball, you're, you're feeling pretty good after the last weekend. So I'm feeling good. All right, checking in, it is week six of the quarter right now. UCLA is 21-4 and four overall, 12-2 and two in the Pac-12. Right now they're in first place in the conference. They're a game and a half up against Arizona. Arizona still has to play Arizona State, so that could go up to two games. It's going to be even by the end of the year. They have six games left. They boast the longest active home winning streak in the nation of 21 games. Um, they're coming off road wins against Oregon State and Oregon. I don't think Oregon State, you know, that team's pretty bad. But that win against Oregon showed a lot of stuff that I am interested, I'm curious to talk about. Because that was a tough win. Oregon's playing well right now. Lenardi has them. ESPN's Joe Lenardi has them. Um, the first team out in his bracketology, um, which we'll dive into a little bit more about UCLA's perspective. But that's a hard win going up to Eugene. They hadn't won there since 2019. Yeah, I really thought Jaime Hawkins Jr. obviously put the team on his back there, 25 points, 12 rebounds. I think a really interesting, underrated stat, Jaime Hawkins has 39 rebounds over the last three games. So not only is he getting it done offensively, scoring the ball, we'll talk a little bit later about his shooting, but he's really getting it done on both sides of the floor and really getting active on the glass, putting the team on his back in every regard. So yeah, it was a huge win up in Eugene, and we'll see if they can keep it going. They're going to be playing Stanford and Cal this coming weekend, Thursday, Saturday, Pac-12 action. Um, I think Cal is like Oregon State, that UCLA will just blow them out and won't be close. Stanford game could be good. Stanford's coming off a win against Arizona. Um, I think that'll actually be a closer game than fans are expecting, considering you know UCLA was up like 19 nothing against Stanford last time the two teams played. But I think it'll be a good game. I don't think Stanford's going to be that close. I mean, we know Cal is obviously not going to be close. They're 3-22. and um, Stanford's not very good either. I know they beat Arizona and all that. But UCLA has played pretty well in Poly Pavilion so far this year. I think they're 13-0. Um, and I really don't see that being that close of a game. Um, UCLA kind of needs to close this stretch out, and that's two of the games that they just can't lose. Um, so I don't see that being close. Yeah, right now UCLA controls their own destiny in terms of Pac-12 seeding. They can be the one seed in the tournament, win the regular season title um, if they win out. But if they lose one of these games coming up to Stanford or Cal or the week after in the mountain road trip to Utah or Colorado, it may set up a game against Arizona the last game of the regular season that'll be for first place in the Pac-12 in the regular season title which I think probably would be crazy that's gonna be a great atmosphere if that happens so let's just dive into our our big questions our fact or fiction game about this UCLA team and I'll start with one relating to that right now UCLA is the best team in the Pac-12 fact or fiction I'm going to go with fiction, believe it or not, just because I'm a firm believer of you have to beat the top dog in order to be the top dog. And until UCLA beats Arizona, I think you kind of have to give the nod to Arizona just in terms of they've had one head-to-head matchup. Arizona looked like the far superior team, in my opinion. Mind you, they were at home, and so they should be. But UCLA will obviously have a chance now to host Arizona in a couple weeks. And 27-0 at Poly Pavilion when there's been fans the past two seasons. So if you don't beat Arizona at home in a packed crowd, it's already sold out then Arizona is going to continue to be the top dog in the Pac-12. And until then, I think it's still their crown, even though UCLA has obviously had the better season thus far. I'm going to say fact. I think 
there's definitely an argument to be made that Arizona is still the best team in the Pac-12 right now. Um, but I do think getting Amari Bailey back is is huge for this team, especially the way he's playing of late. I think when you add him to the mix and you have that starting lineup and you put Singleton back in that six-man role, I don't know if you can make an, an argument that there are many more well-rounded teams in the country, let alone the Pac-12. Um, so I think he makes a big difference in the way Jaime is playing right now. If Jalen Clark can get some shots to fall again, I mean, I really think this team can go a long way in the postseason. I don't think Arizona is quite at the same level in terms of the talent that they have. Yeah, to get some context there, Arizona beat UCLA 58-52 earlier in the season in January, but Amari Bailey was not playing in that game. So a six-point loss on the road without one of your starting five members. I don't really know if that game can be used as too much evidence one way or another. So I'm going to say factor this. I agree with Sam. I think Amari Bailey really does make a difference. Um, UCLA right now is fourth, and AP poll Arizona is eighth. And I think maybe you can make an argument if both teams are firing at all cylinders, Arizona is better because that offense is just special. And if when they're, again, when they're clicking, um, they have one of, if not the best offense in the country right now. They're 10th in Ken Palm and adjusted offense, where UCLA is 24th. The big de- difference is defense, and that has come out for Arizona. Um, against Oregon when they lost by double digits. They lost to Stanford, I think, by nine or something, so it wasn't even that close. Um, so I think they do are prone to slip up a little bit, but if they're both playing the highest level, Arizona may be better, but I just I take UCLA's consistency. Um, I take UCLA's, you know, they have a lot of guys who have been there in the tournament playing these big games. So I'm going to go fact. UCLA is the best team in the Pac-12. Next question, I have a few about Jaime Hawkins. Um, Gavin kind of touched on his shooting, but he has been shooting a lot more threes lately, and he's been making a lot more threes. Um, in his first 14 games of this season, he only made five total threes in the season. He was taking about one a game, a little less than one a game. Um, but in the last 11 games, he's shot. Um, in the last 11 games, he's made at least one three in every game. Um, he made two against Oregon. He tied a career higher three three pointers made against Washington State. And you know, he was saying in the midweek availability that he just needed to slow down. Uh, work on his fundamentals and the shots starting to fall and he's always been confident in it but now it's starting to fall he's shooting 34 percent from three right now which is a step up from his 28 percent last year he wasn't healthy last year as we all know he shot 39 percent of sophomore year i put this up jaime Hawkes's three-point shooting is legitimate fact or fiction i'm gonna say fact on that one and obviously i don't know what jaime is doing in the gym i don't know how many shots he's putting up but i do feel like he knows that at least for the first year or two of his of his nba career he's gonna need a b a 3 and D type of guy, he's going to need to have that three-point shot to at least have a chance. Not to sound like a UCLA hater this pod, I really do think that UCLA is playing really well right now, but I'm going to go fiction once again. Um, but I actually don't think it really matters. You know, It's kind of ironic. Last year at the same time we were recording a pod and we were talking about how Jaime was playing so well because he wasn't shooting a lot of threes, because he was just getting to a spot, getting to the post, and doing what he does best. And so whether or not he keeps his hot streak from three-point land, I don't really think it matters. As long as he continues to be dominant where he's at his best, and you know you keep getting the supporting cast, Amari Bailey, David Singleton, the rest of the crew playing well, I don't think it's that pivotal for UCLA to make a run at the end of the season and, and into March Madness. I'm going to say fact. I'm going to agree with Sam here. Um... I agree in the sense that he has dominated a lot of other things, so it may not matter much. And, you know, come tournament time, you maybe don't want him shooting as many threes just because he's more efficient when he's in the paint, um, driving, you know, using his footwork and all of that. But I think, you know, he's going to have that shot open to him in, in um, come March, and he's going to have to take it. And so if he's knocking down, you know, 36% compared to 28% or something, that's a huge difference. That opens up the offense. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence. The offense has looked much better in recent weeks than it did 
um, just, you know, like a month ago or so. And a lot of that can be attributed to Amari Bailey. I also think a lot of that can be contributed to Jaime Hawkins keeping defenses honest. And, um, I, I think it's, I think it's legitimate. I think you look at his sophomore year, as I said, he shot 39% from three. Last year was kind of a fluky season in the sense he had injuries to both his ankles. Um, and I think at the start of this year, he was just getting his confidence back. So I, th- I think it's fact. I think it's three point shooting is legitimate. Um, that being said, I don't think he's going to be, you know, launching like seven threes a game or anything, uh, come the end of the season. But if he can make at least one a game for the next 10 or so games, I think that makes a world of difference for UCLA's offense. Another question about Jaime Hawkins Jr. Jaime Hawkins Jr. is the best player in the Pac-12 slash he should win Pac-12 Player of the Year, fact or fiction? I'm going to say fact. I think it's between Jaime and Tabellas for Arizona, and I think it really is just going to come down to who wins the Pac-12. Um, obviously, stats and all that matter, but if you're on the best team in the conference and you're the best player, that certainly helps your case. And I think it would take a lot for UCLA to blow this lead in the Pac-12, regardless of what happens in the Arizona game. Um, Jaime's been great the last few, and... I feel like if you play better down the stretch when it matters most, that's always going to favor you when it comes to a, a season award. So I'm going to give him the nod. I'm going to give it to Jaime. Yeah, I think, I mean, I said UCLA was the best team in the conference before. And obviously, if Jaime is the best player on the best team in the conference, I think it's fair to say he's the he's the Pac-12 player of the year. But but I will say that I think as of right now, um, Tubelas might be the, the leading candidate for it. Um, but at the end of the day, it is going to come down to, to who wins the Pac-12. So pretty much what Gavin said. I'm going to go fact. I think Jaime, you look at their stats, and Tubelas definitely has an advantage. He's averaging 20 points a game, 9.5 rebounds. Um, he is just, like, a lot of times a force to be reckoned with. He played Oregon a few weeks ago and put up 40-9, and nine, which is, like, which is just, like, one of the most dominant performances I've seen all season by any player, like, Pac-12 or not. Um, and he definitely has that going for him. But I don't think you can undermine Jaime Hawkins' popularity around the country and, you know, by writers. Um in the Pac-12, by just the media in general. People love Jaime Hawkes. He's a guy who stayed four years. Um, people, you know, he kind of plays an old-school style of basketball, and UCLA is a popular team. So Kevin Love won in 2008 for his freshman season, and then before that, Aaron Hofwawa won the year before. So it's gone back, you know, 15 years since a UCLA player has won Pac-12 Player of the Year, which is pretty impressive considering UCLA has been um, pretty good. Not this good as they've been this season, but... They've been near the top of the conference for a lot of those years and had some good players run through the program. So Jaime Hawkins could be, you know, make some history here um, and really cement himself as one of the best players in school history. And I think he's going to do it. Factor fiction. UCLA fans should trust Mick Cronin's offense come tournament time. All right. I had some UCLA praise. I just praised Jaime, but I guess I'm back on the hater train. I'm going to say fiction. Um, I think it's well documented that I don't like the UCLA offensive style of play. I'm not against you know being a slow team taking your time but the whole point of taking your time is that you end up with a great shot and I don't think that's what this team does I just feel like this team you know waits till there's about 10 on the shot clock before they get get started a lot of the time and it ends with a lot of isolation last second shots in the shot clock especially towards the end of the game um, so I do get a little nervous that if Amari Bailey's not making a tough mid-range jumper if Jaime Hawkes isn't taller than the person guarding him in the post I think there are some worries, but at the end of the day, no team in college basketball has been dominant throughout the game, throughout the season, and I think UCLA's offense is good enough to be supported by a phenomenal defense, which they definitely have. So, in summary, fiction. I'm going to say fact for this one, and I do agree with what Gavin was saying about the offense, and I feel like that's what the offense has looked like for a lot of these past couple months, but I, I said it before and I'll say it again, I think Omari Bailey makes such a big difference for this team on offense. 
Um, one, getting Singleton in the six-man role where he's clearly proven to be a lot more effective um, as a shooter especially. Um, and then two, I think Amari Bailey himself. I mean, he had a career high of 24 against Oregon State the other day, um, and I don't even think he took a three in that game. I mean, a lot of his points are straight line drives to the basket, fast break points, and those are the types of buckets you're going to need to rely on come postseason. I mean, obviously, if you get a guy who's a streaky shooter, um, volume shooter, Kirk Kreese type of guy, maybe he'll go off for a couple points here and there. But Amari Bailey's guy, I think you can consistently rely on for 10 to 14 points a game at this point. Um, and he makes a big difference, especially getting Singleton in in his comfortable role. Um, and then you have Tiger and you have Jaime and you got these experienced guys who can facilitate an offense as well. I think I think they'll be fine come postseason time. I want to say fact, agree with Sam, but he said everything already there is to say about that pretty much. I think Amari makes a big difference. I think Singleton coming off the bench, coming off the bench makes a big difference. Um, they have pretty good stats offensively. You know, they had that rough, rough stretch. Um, but the last few games look better again with our Amari coming with Amari starting. Um, they're the 90th percentile in offensive rating in the country right now. Um, they're, like I said, they're 24th offensively in Ken Palm, which isn't elite, but it is certainly good. There are like 350 teams in Ken Palm. So that's, um, that's better than the average team. Um, I think there is one caveat with that that maybe we can touch on a little bit. Um, but Mick has a sweet spot for his centers and there is a big drop off between a Dembona and whoever is next in line to play that. Uh, but yeah, fact, I think, I think UCLA's offense, we should know by now to trust Mick come tournament time. He plays an ugly style of basketball, but when possessions get tight down the stretch, as they do in tournament play, um, UCLA's offense usually has enough to, to make it work. And you can't doubt a team with this many seniors and this experience, um, and a coach who's been there and done that before. All right, to end it off, UCLA's ceiling is a national championship, fact or fiction? I know I've been saying fiction a lot today, but I'm going to go fact as well. Um, one through five, as Sam said, this is an extremely deep roster. They have the experience, but they also have a lot of potential still. You have two freshmen, two five-star freshmen that are getting better as the season goes on in the Dem, in Amari. I think Amari really has a chance to maybe have a Johnny Juzang type of March Madness run. I just think that he's starting to get a little more aggressive as he's come back from his injury. And if he's really given the green light to be the second scorer behind Jaime, maybe even the first, depending on matchups, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes over a game or two when you need that isolation scoring that this team relies on so much. But yeah, I just think with the depth, with the coach, with the experience, and with the potential of the two freshmen, I think it's hard to say anything other than ceiling as a national championship for this team. I'm going to say facts for this one as well. I think and I said this before as well, but I think one of the most well-rounded teams in the country. Um, and it's something that you don't get a lot in college basketball, I feel like. But this is a team that one through five, I think they really do have it all. Um, we haven't even talked about Jalen Clark at all this year, but um, or at all this podcast, I should say. But he was one of UCLA's best players, if not UCLA's best player, early in the season. And he's kind of regressed on the offensive end a, a bit, but he's still probably the best two-way player in the conference. Um, you get Tiger Campbell, a fifth-year point guard to facilitate. Jaime Hawk is a guy you can rely on down the stretch. Amari Bailey, who's proven himself as of late in the Dembona, who, I mean, if he's not in foul trouble, he can make impact plays on both sides of the ball. Um, and then David Singleton off the bench too. Um, so I really think they do have every piece they need to, to win a national championship. Um, and obviously March Madness is weird and it gets, obviously March Madness is weird. There's nothing else to say there. Um, the best team doesn't always win come, come March. Um, but I do think that this team does have what it takes. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you guys there. I think, obviously, when this team um, is clicking, they 
certainly have the ceiling to win a national championship. Just to play devil's advocate here for a second, um, I do think there are some flaws that may come up come tournament time. I know we talked about the offense. I think it's um, good enough to win. Um, but at the end, I kind of started talking about that big rotation. I really do think one of the biggest flaws in the team building for this roster is not recruiting a transfer big or someone with experience because as mo- as good as a Dembona is, and I'm the president of the, president of the Dembona fan club, um, the depth behind him is just non-existent. And I know Mick was probably hoping for, you know, something from Kenny Nuva, maybe um, something from Mackie Tien in terms of like a little bit of a leap, um, even though he missed all of last year with an injury. I think there's also some recruiting stuff, um, some some an international player he thought was going to be coming, but ended up not following through. Uh, but I, I think just needing a, a big guy with experience there, because I do think in tournament time, Adem gets one foul in the first five minutes and he brings in Kenny. That could be a 6-0 run for the other team just like that. And we can see from the 2021 tournament, you have to win a lot of close games to, to make it to a national championship, to make it to a Final Four, to even make it to a Sweet 16. Um, I mean, three of those games were in overtime. The Michigan one was two points. So, and that wasn't an overtime game. So four of those games are really close. And, you know, they're going to have to run the table in the Pac-12 tournament, most likely to get a high seed. And there's just a lot of variables that need to go right. But at the end of the day, you have Jaime Hawkes, one of the best players in the country, Tiger Campbell, one of the best point guards, um, Amari, Jalen, I can go on, on and on. And Mick Cronin is a coach who has shown the capabilities to, to play well, shown the capabilities for his team to play well in the tournament. So I'm going to say fact, I think the ceiling is a national championship, but maybe I'm not quite as optimistic as Sam and Gavin, even though Gavin was a hater today. But that's going to wrap us up here at Out of Bounds. Um, Out of Bounds is brought to you by the Daily Bruin, UCLA student newspaper. You can listen to this show and others by the Daily Bruin on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And a transcript for this show is always available on dailybruin.com. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>